Hello everybody, welcome to a new episode of Credentials Buffering. I'm your host, Nick Talbert, and today I'm joined by very special guest, Ernesto Antunes. Ernesto is currently a senior at Florida International University studying political science. He is an active political columnist with many of his pieces appearing in The American Thinker, and on top of that, he is also a member of Pi Sigma Alpha, the National Political Science Honor Society. Today we'll be talking on the subject of conservatism, what it means, where it has been, and where it might be going. Ernesto, it's great to have you on. Great to be on. Thanks for being able to have me, Nick. First, I'd like to start off with a quote from a recent interview between a longtime conservative author, George Will, and PBS host, Judy Woodruff. George Will states that people think conservatism and conservatives only want to conserve and that they want to conserve the past. American conservatism is precisely the reverse. It is to preserve a society open to perpetual dynamic change. To do that, you have to go back to the past. You have to conserve the founders' vision, which was natural rights, limited government, and separation of powers. And that's the end quote. So what might be your thoughts on what George said there, and is he correct or incorrect in your opinion? Well, my thoughts is that he comes very close to uh, to getting it correct. There is a certain, uh, essentially, conservatism is about conserving uh, the fundamentals of a society while being able to while being able to absorb, you know, the necessary technological and social changes. So he's right on that point. He's also right that it's about conserving the fundamental principles of the founding. Although when you get deeper down to it at the policy level, this has not been exactly what the conservative movement movement has been dedicated to since, uh, I, I would say, for the last few decades. There's been a focus on certain parts. So you would just like to add into that maybe his definition that we also can change with how technology and the economy and the times change as well as that? Yes, while conserving the fundamentals. Well, I wanted to give you that quote and sort of establish what your idea on conservatism was to move on to another idea by the same author of George Will and how he's recently stated we need to weed out pretty much congressional Republicans, how he has left the GOP and how he and many other never Trumpers will not be voting for President Trump again in election. And so many of them hold the same conservative ideals as I and you do, but yet they say they can't be a part of the GOP and they can't support Trump. Where do you see the maybe disconnect between mainline conservatives, what you would see in the GOP, and those never Trumpers that say they hold the same ideas but can't support the president or the party? I think the issue with that, the issue that they take is one with President Trump's character. The way that he behaves and the way that he comes across makes him very easy to, to lampoon and to criticize who he is as a person. So I think there's a certain sort of personal, uh, just visceral reaction against Trump. But on the deeper policy side, I think a lot of never-Trumpers... I think their version of conservatism is much more socially moderate and much more traditionally economically conservative. That's sort of more free market fundamentalist, free trade that President Trump ran against in the primary. So going to what you said on the character, would you say, so you can look back at American histories, especially in elections, and character has seemed to become a much bigger part of elections and candidates. It seems more so now today than it used to that you want a president who you can relate to, who maybe you can see as a good neighbor more than it used to. Would you say that character plays into maybe the conservative movement in the sense that not winning votes, but purely to be a good conservative, you must also have a good character? Or is that a separate and more political issue rather than an ideals issue? Well, you would hopefully wish that a good conservative politician would have both, but I'm uh, much more willing to negotiate on character, especially since since our friends on the other side, uh, the left in general, has made it quite clear that they subordinate the character traits of many politicians 
politicians, such as Bill Clinton, to what he able to do while in office. So I think in that sense, we cannot unilaterally disarm. I would say go beyond, go a little bit beyond the character and beyond what being abrasive personality towards the policy. Sort of going on to that and playing off maybe what conservatism means, I'd like to move to the history and maybe some changes that we've seen throughout the conservative movement. So obviously conservatism has roots much farther and much longer than America or even American political history. But modern day conservatism, or at least how we imagine it in America, is rather new. Where do you see the modern set of conservative ideas or American conservative ideas? Because, of course, it's different in, you know, Canada, European conservative. The modern set of American conservative ideals beginning. And with that, where have you seen the changes the most, especially during the Trumpian era? The conservatism you're referring to is that sort of consensus conservatism, that fusionism, Buckley's fusionism, bringing, bringing forth all these sorts of right-wing and conservative elements towards a main enemy. I, I think that's a good tactical move to make, but I don't think that's anything that we have to hold to as an unerring principle. For example, the, there is this push now in the Trump in the Trump era against many of the more, I would say, fanatical aspects of libertarianism, such as that that uh, fanatical attachment to free trade and towards atomizing individuals and social liberalism, free markets, free people against slogans like that. This is not a um, not a rejection of capitalism, but understanding that sometimes capitalism can brush up against core conservative principles and we have to face that head on. So what do you think about more of the incorporation here recently where you've seen influencing what people would call the conservative movement of organizations like Turning Point USA, where it's much more aimed at changing the culture rather than more of policy, which obviously liberals and the liberal ideology has been winning the culture war for a long time, but you've seen us trying to enter it through organizations similar to that. How do you see how that plays into modern conservatism and maybe where you see those organizations uh, leading the movement towards the future? I think that, that the mission they put upon themselves to fundamentally change the culture is a correct one. If you lose the culture, it's not going to matter how mechanically that you're able to get to win elections because you're not going to be able to get anything done. Like that famous Lincoln quote, with public sentiment, anything is possible. Without public sentiment, nothing is possible. Essentially paraphrasing it. So it, it's very clear that you have to win the culture. You have to win the hearts and minds. People have to be predisposed towards that conservative sentiment and outlook of life even before they pulled the lever. Staying with the sort of culture, you can see within conservative culture, I think what people would say the maybe shining icon within conservatism is would be Ronald Reagan. But you've seen now internal approval, at least within the Republican Party, a near higher level of approval towards the president current President Trump than there was during the exact same time during Reagan's time in office. Playing off that, looking forward, could you see Trump taking on a type of what you would say shining star of conservatism in the future that Reagan currently holds? Or could you see him sort of fading out and Reagan and maybe his ideals and what you'd say Reaganism continuing as the maybe central star in the movement? I could see that going forward, but a couple of things would have to happen. I think if, if Donald Trump doesn't win uh, the 2020 election, it's going to be a lot more difficult for that sort of Trumpism to keep itself going. I think it needs a few more years to really be worked up by the intellectuals because Trump is not, a, is not an ideas man in the sort that Reagan was. He's very instinctual towards his policy positions. Trumpism can become a legitimate force and it, it could become what Reaganism is now, but it needs some few more years to flesh itself out correctly. 
maybe going off of that, many people before previous to Trump's 2016 election and even within the conservative movement, I mean, you saw leaders such as maybe you could say the biggest commentator being Ben Shapiro, who said he wouldn't vote for them in 2016, but would in 2020. So you can look back and say many were worried about where his conservative ideals would lay and whether he would follow with the party when he got elected or he was simply doing it because he wanted the job title. How have you seen how his conservative ideals have maybe played out in the past three and a half years? And if you were to get reelected, where do you see them going in the next four and a half? The issue with with many that were uh, that were very hesitant and suspicious of whether he would govern conservatively was the fact that he took very unorthodox positions that, uh, on its face, didn't seem conservative. But the essential issue is, in sum up Trump in two words, he fights. So sometimes it's a lot better to get someone into office who's willing to say, do half of what you want uh, than someone who promises you everything, but will get you nothing. You know, it's, it's a net gain in that point. So I think many people did not properly calculate this, his tenacity in getting, getting what he wanted to do across compared to a generic Republican. Do you believe that maybe his off the cuff, more rapid, maybe less thought out attacks and maybe what you're talking about sort of he fights mentality. Has that, do you believe, helped maybe push to agree with him or has that maybe alienated what you would see as maybe suburban voters and housewives away sort of from the movement, people who you traditionally see as a part of the Republican Party? Do you believe that sort of mentality has alienated many or do you see it as it has built up and he won an election that many other mainline conservatives like uh, Mitt Romney might would not have been able to win against Clinton? Well, yes, I, I think he has been, he has alienated certainly some some constituencies. The suburban mom definitely with that sort of off the cuff, sort of uh, machismo style of getting himself across. But on the other hand, he's been able to win many groups that a generic Republican wouldn't be able to win, uh, such as uh, the Blue Dog Democrat the the working man democrat and those are the key constituencies that gave him the 2016 election it's always a calculus of who do you want to lose who do you want to win who do you want to appeal to because it's very difficult if you try to try to appeal to everyone it's going to be very tepid the support so i i guess uh, the republican party has to has to calculate who are they willing to to leave behind basically in order to try to get a shot at new voting groups so maybe going to the current policy under the administration and policy being pushed by the Democrat Party as well. Obviously, the biggest policy debate right now, you could say, being mask mandates and maybe the sort of power, the whether due to federalism, whether maybe the federal government or the states, and depending who has the powers to implement type of mask mandates and stay-at-home orders, where would you say conservatism maybe draws the line on who can maybe order mask mandates and who can shut down businesses or whether you even can? And also maybe what the conservative solution, of course, being the least amount of government and eventual possible, what would be the most conservative solution you could see um, during these shutdowns and, and trying to solve the, the problem of COVID? Well, the, the most conservative solution would be a complete decentralization of these decisions going by a state-by-state -state basis, a county-by-county -county basis. So the local and the state officials being closest to the current problem at hand would be best. So I'd like to also maybe play off that and go to another uh, another issue of today. And uh, a big problem the country's seeing is these riots. And um, of course, there's the peaceful protest as well. But I'd like to focus on maybe the riots as those are the biggest issue. And so I have a quote I'd like to give you and then maybe see how you can apply it to today. It, it's a quote from President Reagan. I believe it was when he was governor, though. And he said, and I quote, 
All of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think they have the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they do it in the name of social protest. He was speaking about violent protest on the camps of UC Berkeley, and obviously, you know, it's not the same sort of protest as today. But do you believe his sentiment still applies today and maybe his sentiment of how how these people and how maybe the media have treated these violent protesters the same? And maybe where do you see the, the conservative solution being in this? The issue with the violent process is that either implicitly or explicitly, many of the local and statewide democratic officials are allowing it to go on for either uh, political reasons or simply because they don't know how to get the situation properly under control. So the, the federal government at that point, I, I think is, is doing the correct job by first asking, tr trying to get the support of these uh, local officials, these local democratic officials before going in. But I think we've we're we've either passed the point or we're getting to the point where we are no we can no longer be asking. The federal government can no longer ask. We might have to invoke the Insurrection Act, given the fact that these may be uh, citizens of a city, but at the end of the day, they're citizens of America at the whole, and it is the job of the president to protect their lives and property when the local officials either won't or can't protect it. So you're saying is first give the state the option to maybe pause the protest and try to recover, and at the point where they don't maybe uh, accept federal aid, like we've, we've seen President Trump try to give federal aid to multiple cities as well as troops they haven't accepted, at that point have the federal troops step in. And, but not only because we've seen in multiple areas where federal troops have been sent in to protect federal property, such as federal courthouses and, and areas of the same, would you say that they should be sent in to protect just the federal property or property in general across whether owned uh, privately, federally, or state? It should be to protect uh, property property and citizens all across the line. This attempt to simply bring in federal troops to protect federal property is an attempt at being politically clever, but it's it's a half measure. You're, you're neither putting down the riots, but you're also invoking a lot of resistance from the, the state officials. I, I see it as the worst of both worlds. So maybe moving on to later on where these ideas might be applied in the future and conservatism later. So obviously it's not a, a more stagnant idea. It can and has been changed in the past. The ideas of conservatism and the movement, its leaders, and sort of what the base is, especially since in the past hundred years. I mean, but you can see it over just 10 years how conservatism has changed. Where do you see it going in maybe the future? And maybe who do you see as being some of the leaders of not only the Republican Party, but maybe the conservative movement culturally as well in the future? There seems to be a lot of new leaders rising up for this new sort of this neoconservative movement. Uh, Tucker Carlson is a is a very well-known leader. He's, he's been absolutely uh, terrific on the airwaves. And intellectually, Sora Bamari. Uh, Michael Anton with the Flight 93 election, trying to rally that support for Trump and trying to push back on that uh, never Trump narrative. So these are definitely leaders that I see going forward for the next few years, trying to crystallize, trying to give a lot more form and substance to Trumpism. It's definitely going to be a much less libertarian conservatism, much more dedicated to the core fundamental conservative principles of family, moral value, and the ability for people to live like that, which is going to be less economic creative destruction. So to change the future to conservatism, as we're talking now, obviously the most important base to whenever would be young voters. And young voters is probably the biggest space where we've seen, other than maybe or at least age-wise, that's the biggest base conservatives have always struggled to reach. How do you see being able to maybe change that? How, how could we reach? Conservatism has never been a popular idea, 
with younger voters and in my age group, your age group, college students. And we can still see that today and have pretty much always been able to see that. Where do you maybe see that going in the future? Uh, could you see conservatives maybe finally getting a grasp on the younger voters or continuing to rely on older and, and more elder voters? I think conservatives, I think this sort of new conservatism can definitely appeal more to the more imagination of younger people than the conservatism of the past. Because I think this conservatism speaks more to the heart and soul of not just young people, but human beings. It's about making it easier for, say, young people to perhaps get a degree, to get married, to have a stable job. That that sort of conservatism can attract more young people than before. But yeah, it, it's going to remain a more of a middle-class, middle-aged type ideology. But there's more taste for it. There's more taste for this new conservatism among young people than there is for the old type. Well, there's a pretty good argument that, that the liberals have been typically winning the younger voters, especially here recently, because the more liberal ideology takes over in college campuses. I definitely would say uh, it's quite obvious that the more liberal ideology does control college campuses, and that's what indoctrinates a lot of children into Democrat values and liberalism. Many might go in moderates, come out leftist, go in conservative, come out moderates. It, it more pushes you to the left. Is there a way that maybe you can see a solution to this, to bring education not even to the right, but more to moderate, where it becomes more about learning how to think rather than what to think? Uh, do you see there being a place where we can maybe shift the culture in college soon or uh, have liberals maybe taken too strong of a grasp to bring back in the near future? Universities form the headquarters of intellectual liberalism. I find the ability of being able to take back the universities incredibly, incredibly difficult. I think it is possible to blunt some of that stronger edge through procedural means by making sure that, say, universities are not able to discriminate against conservative groups, you know, make it intentionally difficult to create conservative clubs or refuse to, to give tenor to conservative professors. So I think keep hammering away on the procedural side of it, on keeping everything fair and balanced. We can blunt some of the edge, but I think they will remain heavily leftist. That is the final question I have. If there's any other final statements you'd like to give on maybe uh, how you see conservatism today and, and maybe where you see it going and where you, you'd like to see it going, not, not where you believe it is, but maybe any changes you'd like to see happen? I have a lot of respect for Buckley's old fusionism, but uh, I think that was, I think that's a tactical move that's become a sort of principle in many people's minds. I think it's time to go beyond that. I see this libertarian conservative contingent, this sort of alliance as no longer explicitly as necessary as it was before during the Cold War. And I think it would be, it would behoove conservatism to try to start disentangling itself from a lot of those libertarian uh, dogmas that it picked up in the past because of that sort of marriage of convenience. They would like to see more of a, a pure conservative movement rather than a congeniality of multiple movements as one? Yes, exactly. All right, well, thank you. It was fantastic having you on. I believe we had a very good discussion today, and, and some ideas expressed that you gave out were uh, fantastic, and uh, I hope to see you again. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for listening to this episode of Credentials Buffering. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Like us on Instagram and Twitter. If you have any feedback, please put on our social medias or even email me, macejbiv at gmail.com. Always looking for your feedback. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.